0: hello welcome to 25 cents a video game podcast i'm chris
1: and i'm nick each episode we'll be talking about the games we've tried other games we keep going back to and what we think might be great games to check out if you've got kids
0: and you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts or on the web at goodstuff.network
1: hey nick how are you doing Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, it's, uh, you know, I've been a, been a busy couple weeks since, uh, since midwinter break, but kind of back to my routine, back to a few, a few games. I think, uh, you know, one of the, one of the things I've been thinking about a lot, kind of in our, our brief, uh, sort of parenting kids corner is, uh, how much do you sort of self adjust your skill level when playing with your kids? Now I know you have kids of varying age ranges. My son is seven. So depending on the game, you know, he can definitely, uh, beat me at a couple of things, but, um, how, how much do you, how much do you kind of tune things down a little bit to make it more fun, more, more fairly matched if, if you're playing multiplayer together? I think
0: it's like, uh, for me, it, because with three kids varying ages, like you said, it really depends on their temperament more than their skill. Like some, one of my kids really, huh. uh, enjoys the game, the challenge, the fun doesn't care win or lose. Another one loses her, I guess I'm identifying because I have one girl, and two boys, but loses her mind if she's losing <laughs> So it's a little, if I'm in, if I'm wanting to keep the game going, it's probably more fun to tune it down. Although she doesn't play a lot, like it's more Animal Crossing and things like that, that we're playing together and learning about and stuff. So it's less competitive games.
1: Right. The, you're
0: building together. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. Minecraft, maybe that kind of thing. My oldest is much more like if we're playing a game of hockey, he wants to just play and have fun and doesn't care win or lose. It's just, Get into play and stuff so it's it's an interesting question i remember sort of coming up against that initially like playing hockey with a ice hockey on an xbox with a seven-year-old is a very different experience than a 13 year old obviously and you do have to if you want to make them enjoy it at all or let them enjoy it at all you kind of do have to accidentally drop the puck or pass it the wrong way or m- make a buffoon of yourself a bit so that they kind of feel like it's on an even somewhat even field because <laughs> they even they know realistically my dad should Whoop me pretty good here, but
1: <laughs> yeah, I think for me usually what I end up doing is just um, slowing down my my decision making, um, and especially at at least at seven, uh, you know the the complete grasp of like the controls and moving in virtual space are still sometimes easy to get stuck or or like his, you know his hand will slip off the the button on on a touch control or something, and and then he's completely doing something he doesn't want to be doing in the game, and so just kind of waiting for a moment for recovery, I've found works, works pretty well there. Um, (laughs) It is
0: like, there's a huge, like whatever the hockey stick growth of like ability or something at that point, like I remember from seven, eight ish to nine, 10 is like dramatically different in terms of the games you can play, the, the awareness, the capabilities, the, and like everything else, right? Like reading takes off at that age. Like it's just, it's a, it's a huge change. And so I I saw a tweet go by uh, last week, I think it was of a parent kind of like, bemoaning, almost not like complaining, but just like, man, I was hoping to play video games with my kid and it was going to be fun. And I'm going to get to do all these fun things with my kid, but they just don't get it. And like, yeah, but you just wait six months, a year, whatever. And it changes so dramatically. Um, just like everything else with kids.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm remembering back to, um, a, a, you know, multiplayer Tetris clone that I, that my dad and I used to play. So we, we used to have the original Tetris where we were just competing on high score, but at some point we got some like Mac shareware, we had the Shareware like multiplayer version of of Tetris, and I definitely remember there was a point where I think it was called Texris, But there was a point where all of a sudden, like I could just consistently destroy my dad. All, uh, <laughs> like uh, some something clicked, you know, for my response time or 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 visual acuity or something or. Or you know he started getting just a little bit slower age wise, or I don't know what, but but it, there was and then it kind of that wasn't a game we went to anymore because it wasn't um, it wasn't like competitive oh, between the two of us. So I, I imagine I am on the cusp for some yeah. of those things uh, coming soon. Um, but we we've been trying some multiplayer games. We can get to get into that in uh, in uh, Apple Corner in a bit. I don't I don't think there's really much uh, news in the world. Um, yeah, you know, we we watched the. The perseverance uh, landing and some of the videos and photos coming in from, from Mars, which is a fun, non-gaming thing. Um, you know, Space is a big interest of, of my sons. I haven't heard I think there were some Pokemon 25th anniversary events, but nothing that really jumped out at me. Still looking forward to maybe snap, new snap when it comes out for Switch. I did see that um, that Epic, uh, the creators of Fortnite, bought Tonic. The creators of Fall Guys, which is kind of interesting, because I feel like those are kind of two of the big like streamed games of the last year, um, other than Among Us, maybe that that get talked about a lot in the news. Um, So it'll be it'll be interesting to see how that affects things long term.
0: Well, between yeah, Fortnite and Rocket League and Fall Guys, the Epic, I mean, they're not short of cash, obviously, but they have just such a Mm -hmm. huge range of games and appeal to different people. My son, my oldest, has decided now that he doesn't play Fortnite anymore. And I was like, well, a month ago you bought, you spent 15 bucks on a whatever battle pass so you could get the uh, Mandalorian skin. What what happens to that now? He's like, well, oh. <laughs> <like, Yeah>. okay. <laughs> and I'm sure it's just a phase. Like, his friends are probably more into Rocket League and so he's whatever and that kind of thing. But yeah, the, the value of a digital costume is uh, has plummeted for now anyways, at least in our house. But fall guys was one of the ones where I was tempted actually, it looked like a lot of fun watching streams. I still have never played it. And it looks like one of those super simple, almost stupid games that would be a ton of fun to play, especially if you had a good group of people to play it with, whether online or in person and, uh, was tempted. That was one of my trigger points for like almost pulling the trigger on getting a PC. Cause as far as I am aware, it's still just windows only. Um, and so I was very tempted just cause it looked like watching some streams and stuff like That it looked like a lot of fun to play.
1: Yeah. I, I have not, um, you know, not having a, a gaming PC, although certainly, you know, something I've mentioned a few times, I, I'd think about maybe, maybe, you know, when I suddenly have more free time, which <laughs> is certainly not the case, uh, during pandemic work from home, uh, homeschool times, but maybe, maybe someday it'd be fun. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, that's the kind of multiplayer experience that, that I think we're definitely interested in Um, uh, kind of getting into Apple corner and multiplayer. I think we, we discovered an interesting limitation. Um, My son and I were trying to play uh, Crossy Castle, the multiplayer mode, which I had played it single player a bunch um, shortly after arcade launched, but um, had not tried the multiplayer. And we discovered that because his game center account is you know it's it's a it's a restricted under 13 apple id you can't do like find games on local wi-fi um you have to just do like the invite code method which is a you know a little bit more roundabout and you have to type things in and and stuff and it's really surprising because he's in our iCloud family right like and physically in your um, house. And, and like literally right, right next <laughs> yeah. to me. So like I can understand, you know, that, that somewhere in Apple legal, they're like, oh, we can't, you know, potentially let kids just like join games with anybody. But it seems like they could do a quick cross check to see, is this local Wi-Fi game being advertised by someone whose Apple ID is in your family? And I think, you know, it goes to the general trend around how sort of Apple services are like a little bit. You know, not quite all the way there in terms of managing things. I don't know if you've run into that on any of your platforms that you play multiplayer family games on. There's a common like refrain
0: I I find anyways amongst sticking with Apple for a moment of, it feels like the Apple developers themselves don't actually have a family. They they're just told to implement family <laughs> mode across like photos and and it's a comp, there's a very it's a very complicated programming problem. I'm sure I'm, yes, I'm not trying it to disparage <laughs> the, the, the complexity of it, but it's still from a user perspective, it's just like just let me share all my photos and then that's it. We'll have a shared album and just put them all there or whatever. Like the way Google Photos does it actually works really well. You you tag a person, you say every photo with any photo with that person or these five people in it, put it in a shared album, and we'll. Work together, you know, we can have that shared album, and so um, similarly with like family contacts or whatever. It feels very hard to share with person, people in your family, Apple ID family or whatever, and so. Um, but yeah, definitely on. I think it was Xbox Live. If we, I was trying to do it all properly, like setting up my kids with theirs, so we can do sh- screen time tracking and making sure they don't play games that are above their pay grade and age and um but then that bit us because i forgot I don't, it wasn't Fortnite; it was star wars um battlefront where my son my oldest had bought the game and then he actually couldn't play it because his apple ID or his, uh, xbox live id had him tagged under 13 appropriately and the game is locked to multiplayer only i think or it it mimics multiplayer only locally, even if you don't play with it online. At any rate, he couldn't play the game basically until he turned, he happened to be turning 13. That's why he bought the game. And so it worked out. Okay. But I was looking online and lots of people are realizing suddenly that, Oh shoot, because I actually was following the rules. Uh, I can't actually play this game, even though me as the parent, I'm completely fine with my kid playing this game and whatever, you know, within the the Xbox itself, you can lock down, like you're not allowed to communicate with people remotely online let's say like do voice chat you could say that and limit it only to friends only or whatever so it has pretty robust controls but then i'm guessing it was the game i forget who the publisher was of that one but the publisher probably had some sort of legal rules just like apple does with certain age restrictions and so it's just like a non-starter you there's just no way around it and even if you adjust it was something like even if you adjust their age after the fact it doesn't
1: yeah You can't trick it. Yeah, I think (laughs) I know in the in the U.S. a lot of it is governed by um, the COPPA Child Online Protection Act. I think it is, Um, and I imagine there's similar legal regimes across the world um, where the providers and developers have uh, pretty harsh legal penalties if they don't make it very very hard to. Have kids under a certain age, and, and at least in the U.S., it's thirteen, uh, have full access to an account, which of course tends to just drive people to lying about their age when they create the account, um, or or having yeah. like shadow accounts that the family doesn't know about or something. But it would yeah. it would be nice if there was a little bit more like, no, I'm the parent. I you know I grant this access to this thing, and I, it's just it, you know it's a it's probably a classic example where the the legal regime really falls behind what would be possible technically, or it would take too long to set up. And in the meantime, you know, no kids are able to play. Um, yeah. Yeah. But uh, on, on a more fun note, the, the multiplayer crossy castle is actually really great. So we were playing local multiplayer, uh, you know, both of us with touch controls, uh, him on the family iPad, me on my phone. And, you know, the, the nicest feature, and, and this is true of a lot of uh, multiplayer platformers that I've seen is basically you don't, uh, you can't die unless both of you die. Right. So like mm, yeah. there, the, you, you basically get a second chance. And there were a couple of times where like I messed up a jump, but my son cleared the level. And so we didn't, you know, lose a heart. Right. So that's kind of a nice, a nice way to play. And it's a great way for him to play because by himself, he would make enough mistakes that he wouldn't get very far, but, but there's enough of the levels where, you know, he falls down and then I can finish clearing it. Um, and we don't have to worry about, you know, that sort of source of frustration of getting stuck at, at his current skill level, which is, which is really nice. I,
0: I tried playing, um, I tried playing Crossy Cat. That reminds me of at, up at the family cabin where there's a Apple TV, a 4k Apple TV, I think. But all we had was the Apple remote to play with. And I could not for the life of me figure out how to actually work it, like slide the, cause there's no indication on the screen of, as to what the controls are. And I just had the Apple remote and I'm sure you can, I think you can sync your Apple like your iPhone, maybe as a controller somehow. I'm not sure. I didn't have enough time or bandwidth to really bother with it too much, but it's, it was a exercise in frustration for sure. But, but visually uh, the common refrain on our show, obviously, like it looked amazing on the big screen TV, like on a 40 inch or whatever it was, TV um, colors and popping. And it's just like really good. Um, And maybe, yeah, like again, almost want to order an Apple TV, a new one. And, uh, but I've held off because I'm sure any day now, any any day now,
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, <laughs> spe- speaking of Apple TVs, my, my dad reported this past week that, uh, they are finally putting out their, uh, Apple TV rev two to pasture. So this would be the roughly 10 mm-hmm. year old model. Um, Oh, like the original. Yeah. So rev, like, rev two. Or, so it was like a little, there, there, there was a rev three, which was the last one pre tvOS. Um, and, but it, you know, it came with some, some basic built in apps, but basically any of the new streaming platforms aren't launching apps for it. And in fact, some of the existing streaming platforms have end of, end of life, their apps, right? Because they don't want to, mm-hmm. they don't want this weird old limited experience with whatever Apple supported on that platform. Um, you know, you, you can't get like the, the really dynamic, um, uh, Netflix. It, it, it pretty much mimics the, the old, um, old front row, uh, interface that was available on yeah. like IMAX, uh, yeah. circa 2005. Um, and, and so, so you get like menus and you can select videos from it. Um, you could lo- you could load your iTunes content and photos on it, but, but pretty limited platform. But yeah, they, it just, it was being flaky. It, it only does airplay one. Um, and they are, they were ready to say goodbye. Um, unfortunately there's not a great replacement for them. now they're not heavy streamers so i think right now they're actually just like plugging my dad's laptop in over hdmi when they want to watch um you know like disney plus or something like that but uh but otherwise i mean they're mostly on on cable still um so yeah i think
0: does it still function like because does it work at all because it still is a handy uh i've just found out uh like using uh airport express of a similar vintage yes. as a way to get audio into my uh, stereo into our like house speakers or whatever that our house came with, and so I didn't have to buy anything. Luckily, but yeah, an old Apple TV works actually very similarly as long as you can hook up a
1: screen to it temporarily. But- yeah, I think my my dad's uh, audio solution remains a, an old iSub uh, set that I think he got because um, <laughs> <Classic. laughs> he he was a computer teacher at school before he retired, and um, so sometimes there was like a little bit extra left in the 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 tech budget. So at the end of the year, like the the tech coordinator would basically hand out like random Apple hardware, discounted Apple hardware, to the staff. So he got that at some point, point. Um, and uh, you know, so it's still a USB A connector, which I don't think his laptop has anymore. So he has to he has to live the dongle lifestyle. But that that's his preferred um, that's his preferred way of doing music. You know, not not throwing it over the air, but just uh, plugging in and and playing that way. Uh, and that's because he has a, a very very carefully curated uh, iTunes music library and playback, mm. uh, system about kind of going through his library, uh, in a rotation. Um, so that's what, that's why he likes it that way. But yeah, it, it does feel like, you know, there's still just, we're all, <laughs> we keep waiting for that, that Apple TV hardware that doesn't exist. And, um, I know, uh, we complain about it a lot, but like, uh, Jason Snell had a couple <laughs> articles on six colors and, and he discussed it on his upgrade podcast, um, about just where, maybe maybe that hardware will never come and where you know that, that Apple's just decided it's not a business that's worth being in um which would be which would be unfor- unfortunate unfortunate
0: i was gonna say i wonder like it'd be so fascinating to know the numbers on like because obviously with the apple tv app being installed on sony on xbox on all these other devices where you can watch a show you can't play apple arcade but you can watch shows that you've bought or rented or or that apple tv plus is a part of um on multiple devices and so that's some number of people whether it's fifty thousand or Two million people that can watch the content and consume the content that way just can't do Apple Arcade and some of the other home, mm-hmm. uh, home, uh, what's home it? kit, home, home kit, yeah, stuff with. And so whatever budget line that is compared to however many Apple TV hardware boxes they sell and then programmers to support it, etc., and how that balances out now and whatever bet they make made on that a year or two ago when they started development potentially on the Apple TV 5K or whatever they're going to call it and maybe it's just yeah getting relegated further and further down the priority queue as they're like, well, we're making all this money because people are watching Ted Lasso on Sony TVs now. We don't really care if Apple Arcade it never makes it beyond to the TV officially, like in a, a newer box, and we'll just keep selling this one until it's done and then move on. It feels very like counterintuitive to the, pr- the push they're making with Apple Arcade, but if Apple Arcade itself isn't really – warranting enough attention or getting enough attention and then the tv hardware itself doesn't get enough attention then the two of those things could combine to kind of doom it to the recycling bin i guess like your dad's
1: yeah i think he he dropped it at the at the apple store in the end um, because they'll they'll take back any of their old hardware for for free recycling Um, oh yeah yeah. So, yeah, I think the, the other thing um, we've been we wanted to talk about uh, kind of when we split this uh this episode plan into was was sort of the tabletop games that we've been playing. So, I I know you've posted a few pictures of some family game nights uh online. What what have you all mm-hmm. been playing?
0: Well, now I'm having déjà vu. I feel like I've talked about Starship Catan like four times, but maybe that's just because we recorded that first episode twice or by accident or whatever. I can I think <laughs> I think we may have Starship. talked
1: about it in the lost uh, episode 25.
0: Okay. <laughs> the famed the one that'll someday see the light of day and will be worth like fifty thousand dollars on bitcoin or whatever um yeah starship Catan has been a hit with my oldest for sure it's a two-player um game nothing really like i mean vaguely like starship or settlers of Catan in terms of resource building and stuff but nothing really like it, it doesn't really translate that well and so i was i've been holding off introducing it to them because i've I owned it for i've owned it for before our kids were born and my wife and i tried it a few times never really took to it too much and then he, I tried it once with him and he latched onto it right away. And he's the kind of kid who loves to, if he likes the game, he just wants to play it every night for that whole week. And mm-hmm. so for a week straight, basically we were playing starship Catana every night and it's not a short, like it's a, a good, especially when you're new to it, it's a two to three hour game. And then we've got it down to an hour ish. depending if you, like, if we lower the victory, uh, staples or whatever for the victory settings, I wanted to say for, <laughs> for a board game, but, um, how many victory points you need and the operates on that same mechanic as settlers. And so, um, but yeah, it's, it definitely, it in, in, incorporates enough sort of spacey themes that make it a little fun. I could see like your son at what, I don't know what age appropriate it would be, but um, could definitely get into and just sort of building, adding boosters and fighting off space pirates and trying to get to enough victory points by upgrading your ship uh, to be the winner in the game, obviously, um, and there's enough of a variety each time you play that it's not the same kind of game, just like with Settlers in that that way. I feel like there's probably a limitation in terms of how much you really. I mean, maybe I'm just coming off of playing it for a week straight, so I'm more maybe a little burnt out on it. But um but yeah, it's a it's worth picking up. I, I forget how much it would be, probably thirty to fifty dollars somewhere in there. It's a well-made game. The, the pieces are really solid, sturdy game like like Settlers, and has stood up definitely over our play time anyway. So how about you? What's been happening in tabletop corner for you
1: yeah i, I um well so so in the in the katana verse um, uh, star trek Catan <laughs> is the one the one that we have so um i think at one point in the past i did have i think i was confusing it with starship but i had star Fares of Catan, which had these like little model rockets that you use to track your your tech level um as well as the original um Settlers of Catan, Seafarers of Catan, and I think maybe Cities of Knights of Catan, but I I kind of did a board game purge before one of our uh, many moves uh, years ago. Uh, but it, but it then eventually got Star Trek Catan, and and that one that one works for us. It's um it's basically the base game of Settlers of Catan, but but with Star Trek theming, and then it adds these bridge crew cards that give you little um, temporary. Uh, Bonus powers on your turn, and that really helps smooth out some of the randomness of the dice roll. I think I mentioned that mm-hmm. before, so that's that's definitely a favorite. Um, so we played that over over the break. Um, played some Dominion, uh, some Dose from which is a variant uh, from the makers of Uno, and then uh, I had kickstarted last year a game called Fossilis. Uh, so we played that twice. It's it's definitely a more involved setup. Um, Uh, But you're basically there's there's kind of a tray and you're digging for bones and combining those bones to complete uh, different dinosaur fossils for points. Um, One of the interesting things about that one is, you know, the first time we played it, it seemed like there was kind of this one, you know, almost broken strategy. So I went on I went on board Game Geek the forums, uh, and, and basically found some discussion where the the game designer weighed in and was like, yeah, you know, we, we decided that was the, the best, the best strategy that the game should, um, should go for, which is, you know, making as many incomplete fossils as possible, as opposed to trying to finish really big fossils. Um, and we were a little surprised by that, but then, uh, you yeah, there were some, there was some sort of house rule discussions. So we, we like changed some of the supply and victory point rules a little bit based on some of that discussion online. And the second game I think went, went a little better. Um, I think my son and I were like four points apart or something like that. Um, But uh, in, in all that uh, he also uh, had asked me, you know, like, Oh, what, what are your favorite like board card and video games? And yeah, what came to mind was like Star Trek Catan and Dominion um, Dominion I especially like because there's so many different combinations and expansions you can play. but for for video game, I, I had to go back into computer game past and and uh, definitely I'm gonna say Sid Sid Meyer's Alpha Centauri. So you know, basically more or less civilization 2, but you know completely redone with um, a sort of space colonization theme, uh, some really cool sci-fi content. And I, I remember playing a lot of that game uh, in the sort of CD-ROM sim area when I had a lot of free time. Yeah, for me, it was uh,
0: definitely Settlers of Catan is a, a game that has occupied a lot of time. Rook is actually just a card game that we played a lot as a kids. And it's kind of like in the uh, in the late, early, ni- early, 90s? Yeah, early 90s, late 80s, kind of like if you're a church kid and there's this vague idea that cards are the, of the devil... Then Rook because it wasn't didn't actually have real like Kings and Queens on it. It was its own little set of cards was somehow okay and, and passed whatever biblical tests. <laughs> yeah,
1: because it, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't lead you into gambling or something.
0: Exactly. Yeah, I think that's it, basically it, it. You couldn't play strip poker maybe with it or something. <laughs> I don't know. The, <laughs> sorry, you know, let me just spit your coffee. Um, and then so that's yeah board, board games and then card games and then uh, video games. like and actually Rook is actually a really good game that kids can play too it's pretty easy to grab grasp,le grasp,le grapple grapple with Grapp- i don't know grapple my grasple. words aren't working <laughs> learn it's easy to learn hey <laughs> i think is what i should say just say um <laughs> the uh, yeah and then video games wise like definitely like i've said before a hockey series is always kind of a, a a good go-to for me easy to play with a variety especially up here in canada where lots of people get hockey um but then also classics like Populists. i was remembering civilization like you referenced SimCity and warcraft 2 or others that are like classics that i definitely um spent many many hours
1: playing one of the ones we have is is called mega city oceania i might have mentioned it on a previous episode but one of the components mm. is you have to build little towers out of the pieces um and you know you get points for tallest tower most variety of materials and so on um but the you're basically supposed to be fiddling with the pieces, building your tower when it's not your turn, <laughs> like it's it's part of the it's part of the game. Um, nice. Yeah. Um, any any <laughs> other games well you're kind of coming back to? Uh,
0: no, like we're. Um, I mean, like I've said before, kids are kind of in and out with Rocket League or or Fortnite, depending on. Among Us is still kind of popular, but I think they've the the kids' friends have kind of fallen away, and that that one definitely requires friends to play. I mean, you can do it anonymously online, but. For our kids, anyways, it was a lot more fun to play with friends, and they've kind of fallen away from that um, as far as playing. And I've, I was, I dove into Breath of the Wild again. I'm, I don't know, I'm forty percent, maybe it feels like through. And, and I think I was realizing the sad realization as an adult, and maybe you can identify with this, or others out there identify with this, is like part of what I think the struggle with something like a Breath of the Wild is like the open world aspect is great. But at the end of the day, sometimes I don't want to have to make decisions. About, I've made decisions all day in my job for my kids. Too much adulting. Yeah, so much adulting. And then sometimes like a game like uh, Sim City, where you are making a lot of decisions, but it's also almost more like uh, procedural, like yes, no decisions. Whereas like the wide open world of, of Breath of the Wild, which is very relaxing to play and enjoyable, but then it's just like, there's only almost too much decision tree making going on where if I do this then that and then all of a sudden my mortgage isn't paid and what do I do do then and like (laughs) so that's where I'm like forcing myself like no I know you like it I know I like it dive into Breath of the Wild play it get through this puzzle or whatever part you're at I was like and it's a lot of fun like I was just at a part where I'm like surfing on my shield behind some sort of sandworm creature and getting through the desert because the desert's too hot if you walk and so you have to surf the behind the sandworm creature and uh Yeah. And so there's lots of fun little mechanics, little mini games, almost inside of the big game that you're walking through. But, uh, but yeah, then when it's like decision tree time, like, do I take this quest or this quest? And like, can I just get it like a, I need a, I think I should stream it where I could have like a Breath of the Wild advisor, like almost like a financial advisor for my life, but like (laughs) a Breath of the Wild coach is just like, Hey, uh, no, do this one. This one. I know this path. You'll enjoy this one more. You can always come back to the other one.
1: <laughs> it sounds like a, a business opportunity for, you know, like the, the teens, uh, right? You know, you don't, you don't, you don't yeah. have a, a paper route. You do uh game consulting for, uh, for for, for the old people.
0: <laughs> well, there's one person on Twitter. I, I forget her name, right? I'll stop my head, but I know every time I post a Breath of Wild screenshot or whatever, she's like right in there with it. And and I'm sure if I stream live and like would link to it or whatever, that they'd, they'd be happy to jump in and be like, yeah. Hold my hand through some of the, yeah. <laughs> the parts or whatever. <laughs> How about you? What are you coming back to?
1: Yeah. Um, well, you know, Hearthstone's kind of always there as the background. Um, you know, what you said about uh, games being, being job-like, you know, it certainly reminds me when I was really into World of Warcraft way back now, now almost um, 10 years ago. Uh, I mean, I was into the, I was at the level where like I had, I was downloading custom spreadsheets to help me optimize my rating build, you know, with where you like enter in all the numbers and like, Oh, if I switch to this weapon, it's like 0.2 better than that weapon. Um, so that, that was definitely getting into job territory back in the day. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, so my son was trying enchanted world, which is that slider one. We, we reviewed, um, a while back. Uh, and I also recommended that one to my sister cause, um, she's on an Apple arcade trial right now. I forget how they got it for free, but she's been trying a few games and was looking for ones that would be good for her and my, uh, my niece, um, who, who just turned eight, uh, to play together. Um, and then, uh, also in the multiplayer area, uh, my son and I have been playing a little bit of super mega mini party, um, so not really the online one where there's like a lobby and you can randomly join games, but, um, uh, just doing the game code, the room code. And then, you, you know, you pick a, all the games have kind of like a, a classic arcade feel, you know, they're, they're loosely based on, on some of the old cabinet, uh, games from the late seventies, early eighties. Um, and, and they're all pretty fun, you know, again, like kind of, uh, retro almost synth wave style graphics um so that's another fun one um and and really you know each round is only like a minute or two so it's a great way to just squeeze in a bunch of quick little games uh uh, together Mm -hmm.
0: cool well that's probably enough for this episode and uh we will uh, we'll be back again in a couple weeks with another episode. Uh, if you want to reach us online, we are on Twitter at 25C Arcade. Thanks for listening to 25 Cents, our
1: video game podcast. You can find me on Twitter at iChris. And you can find me on Twitter and most everywhere else as UltraNerd. That's N-U-R-D.
0: And you can find 25 Cents wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to check out the Good Stuff Patreon if you're curious. Patreon.com slash Good Stuff. And of course, like I've said before, all the other podcasts that are available through Good Stuff at GoodStuff.network. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.
1: Bye. Bye.